Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I don't know what that was. No, it's good. My name is Father Peter Muzzin. My name is Scott Powell. This is the Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys. This is the Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys. We uh, already introduced ourselves. <laughs> I feel like there was a space there that we should have said our names again. But yeah, I, I'm Father Peter Muzzin. I'm still Scott Powell. Yep, and, uh, and we are listening to the Lanky Guys yeah, with the Word are. on the Hill. What? Hold on. Good enough. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Close give enough. Give it a C plus. Uh, dude, we're we're recording this on uh, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. And I love Catholics because um, and they'll be listening to it. Well, many of them on Valentine's Day. Maybe it'll be up by your commute home, Ooh. or maybe not. Um, so it was it was interesting because of one of uh, 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 Jess Halleck this morning. She uh, she came in and she's like, "Happy! I hope you're martyred today." <laughs> I was like, "I yeah. love Catholics on on Valentine's Day. They're like, like see the truth of Saint Valentine and the martyrdom." Poor Saint. Have you seen that cartoon that's floating around of of Val- Saint Valentine in heaven and like everyone make everyone in heaven's making fun of him? No. Like, no hearts and teddy bears. And he's like, "I was martyred." <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, chocolate." Yeah. It's, I forget. It's really funny because yeah. it's rough. Yeah, man. And he was like brutally. <laughs> <laughs> for the faith and his courage, and we give people teddy bears for it. Yeah, that's a tough break. I don't for Saint Valentine. I don't know many people who play pray to Saint Valentine Nobody for does. a Valentine. Oh, for a Valentine? Yeah, like do you Saint Valentine? I would like a Valentine. I would like somebody to acknowledge their love for me on this day. But there's something like if you acknowledge your love for a woman on the day like today, like there's something fake. Yeah, there's something that just feels like Shoot. weird for all you people who are planning on professing your love for that <laughs> <laughs> special someone today. But hey, don't let us hold you back. I have a couple of um, shout outs. Uh, shout outs. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, Avery um, Coates is. Oh, Coates, not. She's married? No. Yeah, yeah. Not Bossiger. Yeah, Avery. what's up? Anything. She's shouting out uh, Ryan and Hannah Gallagher in the Berg. Is that the Pittsburgh? Yep. Gatlinsburg? Yeah, we just want to give Gaithersburg. a Yeah, because they met them. <laughs> There's a lot of bergs. Dude, dude. Is it Pittsburgh? I'm about to give you the iceberg. Because come on, it's Pittsburgh. I'm about to give you the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's to it. What are the names again? Um, Ryan and Hannah Gallagher. Ryan and Hannah Gallagher. Okay, another shout out. Um, Hannah Benish. Okay. From Hannah Benish, Hannah. Dylan Armstrong. What's up? Dylan Armstrong. Wait, both of them? Yeah. Oh, no. oh, Dylan Armstrong wants to give a shout out to Hannah Bedish. Bedish. Yeah. Cool. And then um, also, I want to shout out to Fam at Kansas Kansas City Lawrence. Um, you guys know we were the out. What? The Fam. F A M. F A M. Family. Are the you fam. abbreviating? Are you abbreviating? No, they actually call themselves the Fam. Oh, cool. Okay. So you know who you are in Kansas City it Lawrence. Like the mafia. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I'm going to shout out the Fam. To the family. Yeah. So they. That uh, was Russian again. <laughs> Your accents always. <laughs> Devolve into Russian or or Indian, yeah, or some hybrid or some hybrid. Thereof. Okay, I, so the fam. Yeah, so I just want to give him a shout out. I just we, we went to Gage and Hannah's, uh, 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 Hannah Crick and Gage Shirley's wedding. The Shirleys and uh, I went there. I celebrated that the Shirley Shirley and uh, and so I got to meet the fam and we had nice. a great time and uh-huh. it was awesome. They're gonna get back from um from New Zealand soon. tomorrow. I think. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. What do you say we get into some uh, the old uh, fifth, sixth Sunday in ordinary time? I think it's a great idea. It is, yeah, the sixth. Sixth. Because last week we were on a rerun. Sorry about that. 
dude. Why are we on a rerun? rerun? Dude, come busy. on, what's happening now? Oh, I and what's happening? Oh, what's happening? And what's <laughs> happening now? Those were two different series. They were two born. different series. Oh, you man, jumped straight you just to the sequel. Freaking me out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Our first reading from the sixth Sunday of Ordinary Time is coming from Jeremiah chapter seventeen, verses five through eight. Our responsorial psalm is Psalm one. One to two, <laughs> three, four, six, with the response coming from a whopping 40 to 50A. <laughs> I didn't uh, notice that Psalm, earlier. Psalm 45A. That's, uh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> like, Fair enough. Yeah, dude. I'll just let that be. Yeah. Uh, our second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, through, wait, 15, verse 12, and, not through, but and, sixteen twenty. Right. Wait, awesome. 16 through, sorry. One more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12, and then verses 16 through 20. Right. Is that Did I get that out? You corrected it. Thanks, man. Our gospile, which that's is- good. It's Italian. If, if you put ile on that's anything- That's how the fam says it. That's how the fam- <laughs> The ile from the fam. Ah. So um, uh, is uh, the gospel of Luke, chapter six, mm-hmm. v- starting at verse 17, jumping to 2026. 20, Jeremiah. Hey, all right. Hey, let's talk about Jer- that bullfrog. Man, were I haven't we... made that joke in like years, man. That's not true. You made it last week. <laughs> oh, did I? You make it all the time. <laughs> Dude, Hebrews, man. Every he time is, we have... coffee. So two weeks ago, we were in Jeremiah. We uh, Was two weeks ago the call of Jeremiah? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah, I think it was. Okay, so two weeks ago, we had the call of Jeremiah. Then we segued into Isaiah for a little bit last week. Oh, did and not know that. Guys, because we were on rerun. Oh, I guess I did preach, didn't I? You, you should have. Preached. No, we had Jeremiah. He put the coals to the no, lips last we, week. That's Isaiah. That was Isaiah? Yeah, bro. That's Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have preached about Jeremiah getting the coals to the lips then. Did you really? Yeah. It's from... Okay. Well, yeah, I'm not going to... Whatever. Dude, dude, I was not paying attention sometimes, okay? Yeah, I would. I was not at your mass to <laughs> sit and judge you and give yeah, you that look. Thanks. I would have stood up and raised my hand. <laughs> Excuse me, Father. <laughs> Actually, it's coming from Isaiah. I could not imagine if somebody really did that. Really? Yeah. I feel like... There was a time at St. Thomas Aquinas that people would have done that. That would have unhesitatingly done it. <laughs> Jeremiah 17. Uh, Jeremiah is a book. Jeremiah is a book <laughs> about, um, can I say something as a caveat? Nope. Okay. Okay. What I really want, this is not usual for me. What I really want to talk about today is the psalm. Okay. That's where all of my mileage is. Oh, Jeremiah. Well, yeah. Let, I'm not going to skip Jeremiah. I mean, let's Don't just worry. give him short shrift. Yeah, well, Jeremiah, it's he's 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 uh, speaking and prophesying and pronouncing these oracles of judgment on Jerusalem just before and into the Babylonian invasion that will destroy the city of Jerusalem, destroy Judea, and and topple the temple. And lead everyone off into exile, into Babylon, right? right. So, so that's his time frame. And and, and then chapters the, eleven through twenty, okay, which is where this is coming from. We're in which chapter 17. 17. 17. We, it, it's I think it's the most difficult part of the book. Um, but two things really? I want to say about difficult, in, not in understanding, but difficult in the sense of these are really harsh warnings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we go through the cursed and the blessed. I mean, like yeah. that first line. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the one who trusts in human beings. It's yeah. like, it's just like, there's nothing compromised in that speech. No, there's not. And, and this is also the section where you actually get this personal disclosure of Jeremiah's struggle with his own ministry. 
of when he kind of was like, this is really hard, Lord. Right. Because I'm saying all these things. They're really dark. They're hard to say in the first place. And everyone's rejecting me and everyone wants to kill me. But what's interesting is they actually take sort of the form of little uh, psalms, like little soliloquies. That's what kind of is going on in this section of the book. Okay. These oracles. So, you know, you think of the psalms as these sort of inspirational, upbuilding passages in scripture. These are like the anti-psalms. These are these soliloquy songs of destruction and chaos and punishment and evil, which is it's hard. But this one in particular, just to breeze through it really quick, the sheer amount of references to other things in salvation history, even before I just kind of looked into the context of this, I was just reading through it this morning, and I'm like, holy cow, right. there are so many references to salvation history here. So it says, thus says the Lord. So this is Jeremiah's message to the people. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the one who trusts in human beings, which is a direct um, reversal of what we're going to get in Psalm number one. It's actually the same structure, but put in reverse. Right, because someone blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Right, and then and then and then they have the roots that then spread out in Psalm exactly one. Exactly right. So cursed the one who trusts in human beings, which is what Israel has done. Israel, the the story of salvation history is Israel as a nation, as a kingdom, being asked to trust in God. And failing to trust in God and always trusting in political powers or alliances or other militaries or their own economic might or something like this. That's the story of how they got here is they've trusted in either themselves or other people that they thought were more powerful than God. They could save us where God wouldn't save mm. us. That was their fall. Um Human beings who seeks his strength in the flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a barren bush in the desert. A barren bush in the desert reminds me so much of the burning bush when God appears to Moses and speaks to him. Yeah. It was not barren. It's, it's on fire with this passionate love of God, and it actually is articulate. It's not barren in the desert in a wasteland. And so this is sort of the opposite of following the word of the Lord. This is following the word of man, and it leads to barrenness and dryness. What's interesting is uh, um, I thought of a shrubbery. That's fair because it talks about shrubberies. <laughs> <laughs> a shrubbery? Go uh, get me a shrubbery. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, just, I'm just saying. As you should have thought of a shrubbery. Yeah, I just was like, he's like a barren bush. I was like, he's like a like shrubbery. A shrubbery. <laughs> <laughs> he enjoys no change of season. I thought that was a striking one, partially because oh. seasons don't change all that much in the Middle East. <laughs> but this is like, what's the season that this bush enjoys? Death. Always. It never blossoms. It never grows. It doesn't change season. It doesn't grow again. It's just dead. I was just thinking, like actually, like when I when I thought of this, um, like um, this idea of the unchanging seasons. Mm. I mean, like I I just think about people like getting so hot, and because it's the barren bush, and they just like want the fall to come. Yeah. You know, it's like you're in the middle of August. You're starting to get into September, and you're going like, oh. middle to late September. When it's like 90 degrees is oh. like my least favorite thing on earth. Right, because you want September. When you're like, when is it going to turn fall? Right. And, yeah, and then you just, you're like, I need this. I can't do this anymore. And for some reason in Colorado, I feel like it's always the hottest in like mid-September. Oh, when you're ready is. for it to be done. Right. It's the worst. That's right. a really interesting. That's a very visceral image that you created there. Yeah, yeah. Actually, like that I didn't consider. Unchanging season. And then, then yeah. I think about like winter is coming. Every, everybody was talking about that from that one show. I can't remember what it is. It's um, But they're like, winter is coming. Because I guess in that world, there was there was unchanging seasons, so it's always just kind of like this, this perpetual thing going on, and and that they were like, oh, the winter's coming. But that's actually like end of the satanic thing. I just like the, the, an unchanging season. It's like the Chronicles of Narnia. 
The Chronicles of what? Narnia. Good pull. But that's the curse of the White Wish. Is that it's always winter and never Christmas. Mm. So there's something. There's something actually something to that. Yeah. Not changing seasons. But it stands in lava waste, which I'll just let that go. <laughs> Assault and empty earth. That one actually reminds me of Sodom and Gomorrah, oh. which the land is actually sulfuric in that part of the world where mm. Sodom and Gomorrah was believed to be burned. Remember Lot's wife turns into a pillar of salt. Mm. So there's all these sort of like, not very veiled, but these embedded images of salvation history that are kind of popping up here, showing not only the reverse of following God, but what happens with the fruit? It, it, it's evoking all this imagery. I was just so struck by all of these different things. Uh, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So now you get the juxtaposition. It's the bad news and the good news. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He's not like the bush that doesn't experience change of season. He's like a tree planted besides waters. And the waters give life, right? It stretches its roots to the stream. It fears not when the heat comes. Why? Because it has a life source. It has a water source to take refuge in when the heat comes like we were talking mm. about. There's relief, right? Its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, it shows no distress because it still bears fruit. Why does it not show distress? Not because of anything that it does on its own, but it has access to life. Its roots are so deep that they touch the water. And it is the water, not the tree itself, that keeps the water alive. Mm. Which is the, the metaphor, obviously, is that we're supposed to not trust in ourselves. And if we're a tree standing on our own, then we will eventually die if our roots are not deeply connected to the life source, yes. which is what Israel has not done. And Israel, Jerusalem in particular, throughout the Old Testament is always refer often referred to as a tree or a bush or a vineyard. So I don't think the people would be missing all of these embedded metaphors about mm, them. No. But Jeremiah is certainly not missing it. Well, I mean, is it, isn't it Jeremiah the one who has the vision of the water flowing from the temple in the four areas? It's Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Who's, I, who's a contemporary of Jeremiah. Yeah. And, They're in the same time. And they keep waiting out. And I, I always love that. I saw this in Ireland a number of times. Um, Water when you... flowing out from the temple miraculously? <laughs> sorry, sorry. What did you see in Ireland? Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of water your, in Ireland. Your face was wonderful. <laughs> well, um, no, uh, the, the 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 main aisle in the church would be the River of Life, and that you would actually have oh, it the in, in the church in the church. So that's coming from the sanctuary. You would have the the aisle, and that you would actually go and you'd stretch your roots out, and then you would go into uh, Eden in the sanctuary, wow. and receive the fruit from the tree of life. Of which is is in this beautiful, miraculous way the source of the waters, and is that that's like the Blarney Stone, right? The Blarney, shut up! No, Sorry. I have no. Okay. <laughs> you go to knock, and you'll figure it out. No, it's, that's very beautiful. Hi, the shout out to Ireland. What up? All of it, um, especially Anthony Clark. Shout out to him. I have a shout out. I have shout outs too. It's not just you. Whatever. All right, um, which brings us to Psalm number one. <laughs> I guess it does. Um, Psalm number one. Um, well, here's what right, I right, say. Right, before, right before we go, that oh I just think it's important to point out that <laughs> it's, the structure is blessed and cursed and blessed. Yeah, cursed and blessed. But it's not blessed and cursed; it's cursed and blessed. Cursed and blessed, which is actually going to be the direct opposite of what happens in the gospel. Dude, was is that where you were? Did I steal your thunder? Is that where you were heading toward? I was just pointing out the structure so that we could have a boom later. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, forget what you just heard. Yeah. I, uh, Kirsten Blessed. Kirsten Blessed. Kirsten Blessed. I actually Wait. think that that sounds like a actress's name. Hi, I'm Kirsten Blessed. Kirsten Blessed? Yeah. Kirsten Blessed. Kirsten Blessed. Now I can't, <laughs> now I can't hear it any other way. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's Kirsten Blessed. Kirsten she Blessed. was in that movie about, about <laughs> Ireland. Um, 
But it, it's also appropriate um, salvation history-wise because where they are now in the time of Jeremiah is being cursed. They're experiencing the fruit of the curse. But mm. And this is one of the lessons, this is the major theme that we can never forget about the prophets. As dark as they get and as, as ominous as their warnings and their, and their um, you know, the oracles become, it's always for the sake of restoration. Right. So the curse is not in, an own, in its own right, but it's to lead us to the blessing. It's, so it, it, they it need actually, to see the blessing embedded here. Which is actually, this is what I, I was preaching about this the other day. We've been going through Genesis mm. and we went through the seven days of creation. Mm. And one of the, one kind of a beautiful main theme is that the Lord creates space that he will fulfill, okay. that he will fill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forming and, and filling. Forming and filling. Forming and filling. So th- in a certain sense, that's actually why we like, th- why we can say, oh, the Lord will fill. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Because that's what he does. That's how he rolls. That's how he rolls. It's it's actually part of the pattern. There is a pattern that you can trace throughout specifically Genesis, but really all of salvation history, this movement, this constant movement, and it repeats itself. It's a cycle from chaos to order into sin back into chaos, back into order, back into sin, back into chaos, back into order. God brings order out of chaos. That's what he does. He fills what is empty. He forms what is chaotic. Mm. And then our sin brings things back into chaos, which leads God to step back in and bring order out of it again. And then we tend to fall back into sin and chaos. Which is, and this is the cycle of salvation history. Which is very Dawsonian in his six ages of the church. And oh, Dawson. Yeah. Dawsonian. Yeah. Dawsonian. I've never heard him referred to in that way. I like it. <laughs> hey. I think you just coined it. Thanks. You know. Oh, speaking of the psalm. This is Onian. Psalmsonian. Psalmsonian. What is going on? All right. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I, I don't know because I don't know how to articulate all the things that are, were deeply welling up in my in my soul this morning looking at the psalms. Okay. The psalm. Um, and I don't know if any of them will actually come out, but I, I just... I have a great love for Psalm 1. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because I, I like to give it for, I, like, uh, there was a few years ago that I like to give it for penance. Okay. Because it's, it's, that sense, it's that sense of, like, as you approach, because it really just starts, it's like, blessed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor yeah. walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent. And so I like it how it's like counsel, so you listen, then you walk with, then you sit down. Y- you say that one more time? You so you you take counsel. You're like, hey, what do you think about this? Okay, and then you're like, hmm, I'm gonna walk with you for a little while. Mm. And then you're like, hey, let's sit down, let's talk. Yeah. So it's actually this progression of engagement. It mm. says the the man who doesn't actually do these things, where you look and you say, hey, hey, I can see you got something going on. You're not gonna go talk to the drug dealer and be like, hey, what do you think I should do about this? And then he's like, let me just hang out with you for a little while. Hey, let's sit down, let's hang out. However, you do get the juxtaposition in Psalm two where you have the wicked conspiring together to plot out things. I mean, Psalm 1 is in direct opposition to Psalm 2, which talks about exactly what you are saying, taking counsel with the wicked and the wicked gathering in counsel together to destroy the blessed man. Right. So th- it's actually interesting. You're, you're being shown what to do right. and what not to do. Right. Which is, that is the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what I love, and and I don't mean to get like 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 floaty and abstract in the I, sky, dude. Come on, dude. I I got my I got my sail up. Fill well, it with, fill it with some wind. I I I love the Psalms, all of the scriptures, but the Psalms in particular because of how experiential they are. Right. And you can't. Th- th- there's a presumption. There's a presumption in the Psalms that you actually understand the world. 
because otherwise the Psalms don't work. And so it's this old rabbinic tradition that says that when God created everything, he wrote two books, right? You've heard this, right? Book of Nature and the Book of Revelation. Right. The Book of Nature and the Book of the Scriptures. And one interprets the other. Each interprets themselves. So you can't really understand the Scriptures unless you understand the Book of Creation. Right. And you can understand the Book of Creation rightly unless you understand the Book of the Scriptures. But one sort of presumes the other one. And so when the psalm begins by talking about this blessed one who doesn't follow the counsel of the wicked, who walks and doesn't weigh in the walk in the way of sinners, doesn't sit in the company of the insolent, delights in the law of the Lord, meditates on his hagaz, his law day and night, which is the second half of the first reading, mm. basically unpackaged. And then it talks about what it is. He is like a tree planted by running water that yields fruit in due season, whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does, he prospers. It goes on to talk about the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away, for the Lord watches the way of the just. But the way of the wicked vanishes. And and I, there's something just beautiful about the fact that the scriptures presume that you understand the world. Because if you understand the world, you're going to understand how God works. Because God is not an abstraction. God right. is not a concept. No. He's not an idea. Nope. He works in reality. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always thinking, I always have this memory when I read Psalm 1. I really do love Psalm 1. When I was little, um, when we first moved, we moved to Colorado when I was two, I think. And we built this house out in Louisville. Back when Louisville was, there was nothing there. I was talking about this the other day. There was like all the things were dirt roads. And, and I remember, and it was, we built that, quote unquote, built the house. It was like a developer and we just, you know. Paid for it. <laughs> sure. But I remember when we moved into this house, one of the first things that we did was plant this little tiny aspen tree. It was right out of my bedroom window. Mm. And we lived in this house until I was in uh, like eighth grade or something. So it was a while. But I remember watching every day I would wake up and I'd get to watch this tree as it grew. Mm. And I have it's hard to disconnect my memory of childhood from the memory of that tree growing out of my window that I literally watched year after year until it got huge and it was taller than the house at one point. And I would hang like swings and stuff. It was an aspen, so it wasn't very strong. Wrong, so I always <laughs> wanted to make it like a Ford and I couldn't. But I always, you know, it, it would I would always play around this tree. I would climb this tree. I would hang things from this tree. I tried to throw my stuffed animals from my room into the tree and see if they could climb down. Like I have such an experience of childhood of this tree. And then eventually it got a disease and we had to cut it down. But, <laughs> Come but, on, you didn't have to give me that. But no, I, I do. You, no, there's a reason I do. There's a reason for that. Right. And so it's hard to read this. The blessed the, the the righteous man is like a tree. Right. And when I think of tree, I think of this experience of this thing that I watched grow and mature and change in seasons and get strong and supply me entertainment as a child. And I got to climb on and it was a part of my life and it was strong and it was trustworthy and it was consistent and it was there every day. But I'm also reminded of the fact that eventually it did get a disease and it was cut down, mm. which tells me the righteous man, he's like a tree. He's consistent. He's faithful. You can set your watch by him. But... When disease comes in, you better watch out because it can rip something very strong and powerful and monumental down to the ground, which is what sin can do to the righteous man. Wow. As right, But I say all of that not to get you know po overly poetic and abstract, but the psalm is meaning to evoke something. When it says the righteous man is like a tree, it's sort of presuming that you have some experience of a tree. 
maybe you had a swing on one when you were a kid or you've planted one or whatever. You know what I mean? I used but to jump presumes... my bike off of uh, the roots that like lifted up <laughs> some concrete outside of our house and we used to jump our bikes off that crack. The strong roots, which are powerful enough to lift concrete. Right. Which stretch to the rivers. It's meaning to evoke that stuff. And if we don't think of these memories, I think we're missing the whole point of the Psalms because the Psalms aren't trying to just rotely preach theology at you. Right. They're trying to evoke your human experience. I think like, I, I want to be like yeah. that. I want to be strong like that. I see what sin can do to something so powerful. Right. But it's meant to evoke all of these things to see how something as great as Israel that is strong and powerful and has roots that can break apart the concrete can actually get infected with the disease of sin and even Jerusalem can fall. There's something that the psalm, because what, is, what are the psalms doing more than anything else? They're retelling all of salvation history through a song. Right. And if you miss the notes and if you miss the imagery, then you're going to miss salvation history. Mm. Again, I, I got I poetic. Yeah, I don't think that you know what the word abstract means because everything you said <laughs> was totally concrete and rooted in the real. Right, but I think it's tempting to not do that. Right. You can read this abstractly and just right. talk about generic treeness or, or think of it purely in theological, overly spiritual ways instead of rooted in reality. I'm saying we should not abstract this. Got it. But sometimes we think about theology as an abstraction, Versus. as an abstract concept rather than, no, it's like that thing. Right, and if you have an experience of that, you can understand what God is saying to you. Yields you can't understand what's happening to the wicked. Season it yeah. yields its fruit in due season. All of a sudden, Jesus in the Gospels is going to curse a fig tree for not yielding fruit. Which my parents cut down that stinking apple tree because it didn't <laughs> it re- it yield didn't any yield fruit. Fruit, and that's what you have to do, and right. that's what God actually did to Israel because it didn't bear fruit. Right, and but its guess leaves what? withered. But the roots were strong, and the soil was secure, and there was still room to replant. Because it's not for the, I mean, you, you cut down a tree because you're making room for something to grow. Right. You want growth. You want life. You don't just want to deal in death. But sometimes we have to prune and cut so that life can come back. Right. Which is, you need that imagery to understand. Otherwise, the God of the Old Testament is mean and cruel and vindictive. Right. Unless you're like, oh, no, I actually get how that works because that's how the world works. Right. So why would not our spiritual lives work the same way? Absolutely. So I think it's just a beautiful psalm. And, and Psalm 1 is giving you the tools to teach you how to read the rest of the psalms. Right. For the way the Lord watches over the way of the just, but mm-hmm. the way of the wicked gets a uh, stump grinder put to it. Gets a stump grinder. Yeah, you grind the stump. you got to grind that stump. Otherwise, what happens? It you grows tri- again. No, you trip over it. Oh. Stumps don't grow anything, right? No. They sometimes grow shoots out the sides and stuff, but they're a pain in the butt because you trip over them Mm. and they're in the way and you can't get past them, which is what sin does. It creates a stumbling block and the wicked get in our way and all these. I mean, you could have a field day with the imagery that, again, the scriptures are are trying to evoke in you that we don't do enough. This is, by the way, I didn't, we're we're running out of time, but this is the concept. Today is a field day and you just got a blue ribbon. Thanks, man. But it's significant because that word that the scriptures use, and I, I wish we had more time to go into this, which we don't. But what it says in the beginning of that first stanza in the psalm, this, this righteous man delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates on his law day and night. The word for meditate in Hebrew, we think of meditation as this sort of quiet, internal, um, um, intellectual exercise. But the word in Hebrew quiet. is hagah, which doesn't mean to meditate quietly in a corner. It's actually a loud word. It's what... 
It's what there, there's a reference to Hagan Isaiah when there's a lion that's eating a gazelle that it just killed, <laughs> and it's so engaged in eating this and like growling like <laughs> that it can't hear the hunter coming behind it because it is so full-bodied, all of its senses engaged in what it's doing. That's the meaning of Haggah. And so this says the righteous man, he puts everything into understanding the ways of the Lord. He thinks about it. He talks about it. He reflects upon it. He walks with it. He whistles with it. He, he moves his body with it. It's all encompassing. Meditation on what it means to be holy is not just this intellectual exercise that we're supposed to do. Right. It's meant to be like climbing a tree. It's meant right. to be like jumping your bike over the roots. It's meant to actually bring all of the senses to bear because that's who we are, that's who God is, and that's what he's trying to teach us. And when we fail to do that, then we become like the diseased tree. Wow, which is which is really cool. I think people actually like the podcast, maybe because what happens is it does give them a chance to haga to to like we haga the snot out of these things. That's what I'm hagadog. <laughs> give me some hagandas after the nah. haga. Yeah. So our our next reading, we've never spent that much time on a psalm in our lives. I warned you though that I was going to do that, <laughs> and I listened to your warning and I embraced it. You fully. heeded me. <laughs> I heeded your warnings, Thanks, man. Um, let's get into the first Corinthians okay. first. It, so first Corinthians, um, I, I don't, I was hoping you'd be able to tie this in. Okay. First I can, Corinthians, Paul's I can. Dealing, I always give you an opportunity cause I'm not sure what kind of context you want to bring to bear. The only context is that it appears that the Corinthians are struggling with the concept of resurrection because they're coming from pagan roots from Gnosticism in which, or a, a, a sort of neo-Gnosticism, which suggests that <laughs> spiritual things are really good, yeah. but physical things are bad. And so we're talking about a Greek worldview in which once we die, then we get to be freed of sort of this prison cell of our bodies and materiality, and we get to become pure spirit. And now these Christians are coming in saying like, hey, guess what? When you die, you get your body back. And they're like, I don't want my body back. And Paul's trying to argue why, no, this is really, really good. Bring back my body to me. To, to me. me. Oh, no, that's my Bonnie. Sorry. Bonnie. <laughs> um, what, what, this is the thing is that this actually ties in both of the first readings. Okay, because, talk to me. Because what we're saying is oh, we're saying- concrete. Concrete. It's just <gasps> concrete things. It's, I didn't even see that. I was having a conversation with Father Sean just the other day. Like He's concrete. He's concrete, and I'm. He is real. Yeah, he is a concrete, real. <laughs> Your non-imaginary. My non-imaginary vicar, <laughs> dude. Could you imagine if if this priest was always talking about his parochial vicar and he just didn't even exist? It would it would really be disturbing. But no, I was just talking about in preaching. Uh, Tim Gray, when I was doing my thesis with mm. him, he literally he came to me and he gave me my thesis. I'm sorry, back. did I just drop that? Uh, it was an, it was a name. Oh I yeah, dropped that. Uh, that was me. I oh, know. Sorry. <laughs> but, but dude, he made me cry because um, he I had I had poured myself out. I like literally I writing papers is like the end of the universe for me. Oh. So I poured myself out in this paper. I mean, I just like gave everything that I possibly could for an entire year, every single day. You haggard yourself. I haggard my literally, mm. um, and I gave it to him, and he there was nothing. He returned it to me, and he just says, "P.S. Oh. Come see me." So oh, I went into the, the office and he's like, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to reread every sentence that oh. you wrote and rewrite it in concrete language. 
Oh, and that's uh, painful. and I, I was like, I like literally, you know, it's like you're in denial. Like somebody oh, says yeah. something and you acknowledge that those words were said, but you don't really like actually like oh, you can't process them. That's painful. So I went back to my room and I wept. I just wept because I understood exactly what he was saying. And, oh. and that, that ever, I was living in such an abstract <laughs> philosophical term-based world right that i wasn't rooting anything i had no roots that were reaching out to the stream i had no song no poetry um i didn't have any like i didn't have anything what we were just talking about in the psalm so what so what's happening is is that that this (laughs) neo-gnosticism which is really kind of if it sounds like neo-nazis you know (laughs) yeah i guess Like, well, it's not a good thing. It's really not a good thing. That's why it's, that's why I, it, it's like, It's more ooh. of a proto-Gnosticism than a neo-Gnosticism. Anyway. Okay. So what happens is that, <laughs> is it's like, you. those no resurrection of the dead. I, I just In have to- In two seconds, I bored you. No, okay, you did no, okay, yeah. no resurrection of the dead. I didn't know how to respond to sorry, proto-Gnosticism, sorry, punk. I just like, <laughs> I don't really know what that is. I was just laughing at the words, not the concept. No, it's okay. okay. No, come on, come on. Okay. You, I, I derailed you. I'm, I'm the worst. <laughs> you're, you're making such good- I, I do it for you too so you do but this is is how we are friends that's true but i he's saying to the corinthians Mm. you must get rooted in the real things partly because you'd corinthianize so like that they actually Mm. would deny real things so that they could give themselves over to the flesh so that they could trust in the (laughs) ironically enough ironically enough but that's actually that's a really good insight like that's what we're dealing with in culture right now is really good is that we don't want to acknowledge the concrete natures of things Mm. so that we can rewrite the natures of things for our own lusts yes Lusts, and I mean that in the largest sense, yeah, our yeah, own yeah. luxuria. Sexual, like, yeah, like Thomas Aquinas doesn't say lust necessarily. He says luxuria, giving mm. ourselves over to material things right. by not acknowledging the nature mm. of the material things themselves. So when we're talking about blessings and cursings, it's it's saying that cursed we cursed be- it is the one who trusts in human beings who seeks to find his strength in flesh. In flesh, says Jeremiah. Right, by not acknowledging the real nature of what's actually happening in front of them. Oh, fascinating! Great connection. And so, and so that that's actually this really weird, like, rich thing that I want you all to to actually ask yourselves: How are you denying natures? Mm. So that you can actually just get yourself into debt, give yourself mm. over to luxurias and mm. and lusts and 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 trust in human beings rather than in the divine one who we're going to now get into the gospel because he's saying blessed are the poor because you're going to f- we start with blessings and we go into curses. This is not the sermon on the plane that we usually like memorize and have at funerals because these curses are getting real. But it is the Sermon on the Plain, just for clarification. I know, we usually have Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, but you said it's not the Sermon on the Plain. That we read at these other, we never read the Sermon on the Plain. We rarely do. It's we read the Sermon on the Mount, even yeah, though the content is actually pretty similar. Um, before you go on from there, I just want Paul yeah, later yeah, yeah. on, I think it's in Philippians, he calls exactly what you're saying. You've made your God your bellies. Right. Which is such a visceral way of saying it isn't right. it right i'm trying it's to... what i want it's my appetites that thomas does say that the, yes. the appetites and the that's belly isn't that yeah like, i want what my belly wants sorry that's, anyway that's why i'm like trying to get the size of my belly down which is actually a really like actually to look at that 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 that, that like narrative in my own life sure <laughs> i one time i was a lanky guy our lawyers said we have to become lankier to keep the title <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> 
<laughs> we don't have lawyers. We don't have lawyers. <laughs> but but uh, you make me smile. Um <laughs> Okay. So, so Luke. So we get into Luke. Now we're here, and he's like, "Blessed are the poor." And mm. now all of a sudden, he's saying, "Like, he's like." Yeah, Luke's version doesn't say "blessed are the poor in spirit." Luke's version says, "Blessed are you who are poor, poor for the kingdom of God is yours." Yeah, right. blessed are you who are hungry; you will be satisfied. There's something way more like, like listen to everything. It's so concrete, which so, is it, it's almost like it's responding to Matthew, who. I love Matthew as well, but it's a little more abstract in Matthew. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, for righteousness. righteousness. Blessed, which which are all they're real and they need reflection and they need to be considered. But but there's something different that Luke's it, people. But this is a caveat. People think that um, there's a contradiction. The Bible is contradicting itself. See, there's this sermon. Not, the two things I'll say about this, um, I think, is perfectly reasonable. If this is Jesus's central teaching. I mean, you say how many masses on a weekend? You say like three or four different masses, which means you give the same homily three or four different times. And With so people little like, differences in the midst of them, right. given how the community is able to receive what you're saying. You right. can go to different places as right. a preacher. I can right. have the exactly. same homily, but what what's happening is it is a dialogue. It's right. You're not right. silent as you're sitting out there. What your attentive, the attention levels as you're listening in mass is affecting and because the, the Holy yeah. Spirit is moving the whole community right. together. Right. And this is where like I can hear that they're on the plane together. They're out in a in they're not on the shores. They're right. this they're is not a on a mountain. This is a different crew. Jesus is giving the same homily to a different group of people and he's tweaking it for their particular needs. So that they can understand it. Yes, and so because right. so, it's like blessed are you who are weeping, not mm. you who mourn. Right. Who are weeping. Oh, you, and, good good call. Good you will laugh. You will laugh. You'll laugh again. It's such a, it's such a concrete statement. Yeah, you're weeping and you will laugh. It's not mourning and happiness or something like that. Blessed when they denounce you and account mm-hmm. you because of the Son of Man, rejoice and leap mm-hmm. for joy. Yes, which which is like starting to evoke for me the Song of Songs. It's oh, leap like a heart, right? like a heart. No, H-A-R-T. Leap, like a, is that a stag? Yeah. Oh, that's what the RSV says. Calls it in oh. the Song of Songs. Whoa, nice language, <laughs> RSV. I totally unrailed you. No, derailed you. Unrailed. I just me. railed you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, language is you, hard. You, you railroaded me. <laughs> ah. Ah. So, so it's like I, I look at that, and now all of a sudden he's he's saying that okay, your reward will be great in heaven. There's something concrete. But then yes. now we go into curses. Now we f- we're flipping. This this is interesting as we start with the blessings. But he says that there is going to be consequence otherwise. Because what? Because remember how we started in in Jeremiah? We uh. started with uh, Kirsten 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 blessed. Kirsten blessed. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> Kirsten blessed. Oh, that was Kirsten such blessed. a good. That was a good show. Now now it's like. <laughs> Blessed and cursed. Oh, it's true. Well, it, it's funny. I'm trying to think of how you can you can then uh, sort of tie all of this together. And, and there's two things that are popping into my mind. When Jesus begins into these beatitudes, saying, blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you when you are hungry, he's saying, I mean, you can read it in such a way as to say, hey, when, you're, when you are poor, when you approach your po- there's nothing objective about, about the po- poverty, it's just poverty. But when you approach your emptiness and your smallness rightly, right. you are like the tree that's planted by streams of running water with deep roots. When you are hungry, when you are empty, when you are stripped down of the things that fill your belly and give you the, uh, you know, 
these luxuries, when those are taken from you and actually you actually approach the Lord rightly, you are like the tree, the man, the righteous man who is like a tree planted by running water. Mm. It feels like the seasons are changing, but if your roots are deep enough, they will reach the water mm. and they will feed you and you won't be hungry. You won't be thirsty. You will laugh. You won't just weep because the tree is strong enough to withstand the seasons. The tree is strong enough to withstand rain and wind and snow and hail and sun and everything else as long as its roots are connected to the life source. Right. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying when you are poor, when you find yourself in these situations, you have the opportunity to be that tree. Right. If your roots are deep and if they are connected to literally me standing here on this plane, not me, but Jesus. Yes. If you are connected. And if not, then he revert again, like you said, Jeremiah is reversed. In, In the other way of reading it is that all of what Jeremiah says will come as a result of God rebuilding after the cutting down is being rebuilt in the group of whatever these these crowds of people standing in front of Jesus. Right. He's like, you are the answer to the prophecy of Jeremiah. You are the blessed ones that you were foretold would come after this dark storm that was coming. Right. But the storm can come back. The tree can get diseased again. So woe to you. When you become like the people in Jeremiah's time, yes. woe to you when you do this. So it's blessings into woes. It's not just curses into blessings. It's not just blessings into curses. It's blessings to woes. It's almost like upping the ante on curses. Woes are a bigger deal than curses. Curses is something that we suffer. I mean, that's not good. Right. But a woe feels far deeper to me. Woe. Whoa. Are, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, woe are you. There, there's something deeper because, again— in the new it's, covenant, in the scheme of Jesus having appeared, the stakes are higher in right. a certain sense. The roots can be deeper. The river is stronger, but the stakes and the disease are higher. And and avoid. But this is the other thing: is it's not just stakes; it's actually proper justice. Like justice is is what is due to you towards your because uh, of your actions. Mm, mm. So if you place your hope in the riches of this world, yeah. woe, to you woe to you, because you've received your consolation, and and the danger of receiving your consolation now is that you're going to miss what's the true consolation of Israel really is. Right, you're going to miss right. what an authentic consolations, and so yeah. as you return to this thing that's supposed to be so nice. Yeah, you'll yeah, have a cons- yeah. a, a consolation, but it's not huh. it's not we're not actually properly fit for that nature. Yeah. There was the other day, this is such a lousy example and I have nothing else to say. Okay. But it was uh we were celebrating Evelyn's birthday and we were going to have these these really tasty cupcakes and a cake later. And I think it was Sam snuck into the cabinet and was eating these these really old kind of stale just lousy cookies. <laughs> and I was like <laughs> We had cake waiting for you. Like you ruined your appetite on these stale cookies that you snuck out of the cabinet when there was something so you've received your reward. Like you took this thing that's so secondary when there was something far greater waiting for you. Yes. And that's what you're reminding me of in that imagery of, you know, you, you've received your reward now. Which means you're going to be set up to miss the far greater reward that God's preparing for you because you grasped at what was not right. Right. And maybe that's what the desire for holiness is, hmm. is to say, like, like we can really reach out for what an authentic consolation in the Lord is. I don't know. That's really, uh, it's just like, it's just really interesting. Um, yeah. Hmm. 
I think that's good. That's the struggle. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the, the question. That's the struggle. So what because, does this look like? Because what's hard is is like we're talking about such concrete things, <laughs> right. and that's actually really what we want. But they're also very subjective because they're applied to me and to you differently. Right. So very concrete things applied very subjectively. <laughs> what do you do with that? Well, and yeah, so how do you recognize and register consolation? That's yeah. actually why we take counsel. Not with the wicked, but with the just. Right. That's why we go together and we yes, have conversations. Right. That's why we have this conversation, Scott. Exactly right. Is is y'all? I, I don't know if you guys know this, but this has significant consequences in both, in both Scott and I's life. Big time. Like I actually sometimes I revisit these conversations because mm-hmm. they're spiritually significant for my life, and yeah. um and. And uh, and that's why I I'm so privileged to be able to invite you into it. Thanks for inviting us into your life today, or your car, or your car, or, or your, your laundry, <laughs> or your laundry, <laughs> or your uh, cleaning of uh, the humble things. Yes, or your secret missiles that you're building in Siberia, <laughs> or um, your CNC work, or your CNC work, or right. your aquarium reef keeping, or your aquarium reef keeping, <laughs> or your CrossFit routine. If, if you can listen to CrossFit and do this at the same time, listen to this and do CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. Just do <laughs> what did I say? You don't listen to CrossFit. Uh, you can I listen to CrossFit. Did I say that? Yeah. It's probably a good time for us to stop that. Alrighty, we'll be back next week. See you then. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash A-I-C-T. You can find the Lanky Guys at lankyguys.org, and you can send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.